turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. A straightforward approach to managing your money. The Rob Black Show. Sounds like we're two to three weeks away from Thanksgiving as well as and Christmas is right around the corner. Online shoppers are being shocked by how many out-of-stock items they're finding when they're going to get their basketball hoop or their skateboards or what, what be it that your kids want for the holiday seasons this year. There's a shortage of mall Santas. If you needed a little bit of a gig, and I, I, I think I could do this at some point in my life because that would be fun for one year, maybe even just one day. Santas in big cities rake in several hundred dollars per hour. Earnings are up 12% this year, and there's a massive shortage of mall Santas. Yesterday, the NASDAQ was not in a very giving ho-ho-ho kind of mood. The NASDAQ was down six-tenths of 1%. The S&P 500 was down one-third of 1%. The Dow Jones Industrial Average was down one-third of 1%. Ten-year Treasury is looking a little bit frightened of the economy right now, sitting at 1.43%. When it's at 1.6%, it feels a little bit more like things are normalized. And when it starts to creep towards 1.718, things are picking back up in the economy. Big fear is inflation. Before we get there, let's hit a little bit of news from yesterday. The S&P 500 snapped its eight-day winning streak. The biggest anchor in the index was PayPal, which dropped the most since March 2020 after forecasting lower revenues for next year. That's a fintech company, and the millennials aren't supposed to let that happen. They're supposed to be loving fintech more than real banks. Just saying, fin, uh, just saying, millennials, come on. Pfizer wants all U.S. adults to be able to receive its booster shot. So yesterday I asked the FDA to authorize its third dose for everyone 18 and over. The booster is currently only cleared for certain populations. It looks like there's going to be a massive shortage of needles, vaccination needles next year. Can things get worse? Can things get worse? Well, I'm here to tell you that they can. It's going to be an interesting day today. A lot of inflation news. There's a new company um, coming public, which is an electric van that Amazon owns a big chunk of. Um, I find that interesting. Why vacation is the big question when you get in summer. 20% of Airbnb bookings between July and September were for a month or longer. That's not bad. That's good living. Stays of 28 days or more are now the company's fastest growing category. It's rolling out new features like verified internet speeds to court more folks who want to turn their Airbnb house into a home. And I kind of did a little bit of that myself, right, during the 2020 pandemic where we were all locking ourselves up. I know many people who got Airbnbs for months at a time. And now it's turning into a vacation months at a time because really they still don't want us to go back to work. 27% of New Yorkers have gone back to work. They think 50% is roughly the number, 52% in January of 2022. But what about that other 
vacancies will abound. Tesla shares suffered their worst two-day slide in 14 months after Elon Musk polled Twitter users. Well, whether you should sell a chunk of his stock, I think that was a disingenuous poll. I think he has some tax liabilities coming up on expiring options, and I think he has a big fat payment on some of the loans that he's taken in lieu of taking a salary. Panera Bread, which owns Caribou Coffee and Einstein Brothers Bagels, is planning to go public in what's expected to be the most mediocre IPO in history. Sadly, I really like Panera Bread as a business. A coffee subscription makes a ton of sense. But, not sure Wall Street's going to see my side of it, so I'll stay away from that one. Meta said it would restrict advertisers from targeting users based on sensitive categories like religion, race, and politics. Yeah, good. Maybe that's about time. Um, I don't know. I'm just, I'm kind of, how shall we say, not over criticizing Facebook and Meta, whatever you want to call them. It's just, I think we all know. So let's talk about some of the other things that we definitively know today. The U.S. weekly jobless claims dipped to 267,000. You're setting another pandemic low. That's good news. Google loses appeal against a $2.8 billion EU fine. It's kind of a four and a half year old story. So it's not as big as a deal as you think. And $2.8 billion to Google's nothing. Considering they've been allowed to act unchecked in those three or four years since the appeal began. Elon Musk lost $50 billion in two days after Tesla shares plunged 16%. I should have thrown that in earlier when I tagged Tesla. Here's the real loser of the day. Consumer prices. You're a consumer. I'm a consumer. Don't you want to be a consumer too? Be a consumer. Inflation across a broad swath of products. I'm talking broad. Hit its highest point in more than 30 years. If you're Fed Chairman Jerome Powell, you're like, dang it. I said it was going to be transitory and it, through the summer, and dang it, it's it's the fall. I, he's losing credibility fast. Inflation hit a wide swath of products that you buy every day, up 6.2% year over year. Fuel, up 12.3% for the month. Remember how a couple weeks ago I was like, wow, gasoline's over $5 in California. That's part of a 59% increase over the past year. Energy prices to melt still and heat our homes were up 4.8% in October, up 30% for the last 12 months. Used vehicle prices up 2.8% for the month and 28% for the year. New vehicle prices up 1.4%. And up 9.8% year over year. Now, again, when I say 1.4%, you're like, that doesn't sound like much. Did your salary go up 1.4% last month? And that's where real wages, which are wages after inflation, fell one half of 1%. Um, so people are having a tough time. They're falling further behind as price increases and in, in, in costs of living are swelling. Real wages are actually deflating that's your wages after inflation falling one half of one percent shelter costs are now three and a half percent higher than a year over on a year over year basis so there's nowhere to hide home prices if you want to buy your own home and pay yourself rent sounds like a pretty good idea right wrong during the covid pandemic home prices have shot up nationwide 
while household income fell, homeowners have become kind of out of reach. Home ownership has become out of reach for many would-be buyers. Affordability was a growing problem well before 2020. In the last decade, the median home price rose roughly 30% and incomes crept up just 11% in the same period. Over the last 50 years, the difference is even more striking. If you account for inflation, home prices have soared 118% since 1965. Income has only increased 15% when accounting for inflation. To afford a home in America today, you need to have a salary of $144,192. Yet the median household income is only $69,178. Don't miss an episode of The Rob Black Show. Subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Invest in what is really important. Rob Black has partnered with EP Wealth Advisors. Are you concerned with financial planning, tax planning, managing your investments, or just planning your retirement? Rob Black has partnered with EP Wealth Advisors. With over $12 billion in assets under management and more than 80 financial professionals at the helm, EP has your financial future in mind. Learn more by visiting robblackshow.com. That's robblackshow.com. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. Shake your money. Shake, shake, shake your money. Can't say that enough, can I? GE's going to split into thirds. I find that humbling. The power of three. 20 years ago, GE's market cap made it one of the world's largest companies in the world. Five years ago, it was a top 10 company. Today, it doesn't even click in the top 100. Things have changed. 20 years ago, I could have said, well, today I could say blue chip companies are Apple, Microsoft, Facebook, Google. 20 years ago, you said GE. They were the big conglomerate before big conglomerates. Now they're going to split it into three, and that's sending the shares higher. If you hear about Congress or the European Union wanting to split up Apple, Facebook, Microsoft, Google, it would be a good thing for the shareholders in the short term. So, um, money investing and more. Let's talk about some of the top stories of the day. Investing is critically important to create a buffer for investing is critically important to create a buffer for your future. And I like investing because it tends to grow faster than inflation, but inflation growing at 6.8% scares me in large part because stocks tend to grow 7 to 10%. Now, thankfully, a lot of my money is in investments and it's grew 20% this year so far, outpacing inflation. That's one of the reasons you invest. Is it not very complicated when you boil it down like that in my mind? Is it always easy to boil it down like that in your mind? Probably not, and I get it. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar said some damning things about Aaron Rodgers yesterday, and I kind of loved it. He basically said, you're a fool for what you did with Ivermectin, lying to people, letting them think that you were vaccinated. He goes, your celebrity gets paid a lot of money. 
And you just lost a lot of credibility because you flat out lied. He thinks all states should flat out cancel uh, Rogers. And I agree. So they can go to Patrick Mahomes. They can go to a TV celebrity, a movie celebrity. They don't have to go with an athlete. Will they have the courage to do it? Nope. Do they have a, a spokesperson who's non-credible? Yep. One of the things I try to do on this show, and I hope I succeed on some level, is I have some credibility. My bosses at Salem are awesome. They let me read or write, read, and do my own stories every day. I'm not told, hey, we'd really appreciate it if you could push the Republicans or the Democrats. I'm not told to do any of that. I'm not told to like say, hey, can you push this realtor who just bought uh, Airtime Auto Station? Not told to do that, and it's awesome. Um, editorial control gives me some credibility. My history in this industry, if I wasn't good, I wouldn't still be doing this. U.S. consumer prices soared 6.2% in the past year, the highest since 1990. That's a long time. So we'll go that's on the high end for sure. EV startup Rivian is going to go public. They raised at least $10 billion plus. It's going to be priced somewhere around the $70 billion. Almost instantly, an electric vehicle van maker has a higher market cap than GM and Ford. These are, these are changing times, my friend. I, I hope you buy into that. These are changing times. House affordability is down across the board. Um, let's talk about some retirement myths or some retirement bad roads to go down into. Some people think Social Security is going to be enough for them to live off of. And they have this idea in their head that, well, I'll just like stop living and kind of like just watch Oprah Winfrey all day. No, 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 no. You can't get by on Social Security alone. A lot of seniors are going to assume they'll be able to cover their living costs based on the benefits they collect from Social Security. You're going to fall way short. In theory, Social Security on the average person is going to replace about 40% of your pre-retirement check if you're an average wage earner. Most seniors need a lot more money than that to stay afloat and cover their expenses because they don't think of cutting 60% of costs out. And I see financial media saying things like, why buy when you can rent? Well, because when you're renting in your 20s and 30s, you have income coming in and you can kind of justify it. Staying a little bit more mobile, not racking up the costs of home ownership. But when you're retired, you can't really afford to be renting if you can. You can if you have enough money. But if you don't, that's a big, big chunk of your change. A lot of people think you get to keep Social Security in full in retirement. Nope. Social Security benefits are taxable as well, which doesn't really make a lot of sense. This isn't to say that all seniors pay taxes on these benefits. If it's your only source of income, you're probably safe. But if it's your only source of income, it's probably only going to cover 40% of your pre-retirement income. If you're a modern earner, you could face taxes of up to 85% on your benefits, and that's just at the federal level. There's also 13 states that impose taxes on Social Security as well. Everyone who's listening should go to ssa.gov and find out how much they're getting in Social Security at different times, 62, 65, 70. 
what your disability insurance, uh, your disability income would look like, what your spouses would look like, what it would look like if you take it and your spouse doesn't. It's good knowledge. It's good knowledge to have on your side of the fence. Health care is going to get least, less and less expensive as you retire. Nope. Nope, 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 nope. Another false myth. A lot of people assume that Medicare is extremely affordable or even free. I used to think that when I was 16 years old. In addition to the cost of the premiums, deductibles, and co-pays, you'll also need to cover the cost of services Medicare won't pay for, like dental care. Brush your teeth. Brush your teeth. Floss your teeth. Take good care of your teeth. They're expensive in retirement. In retirement, the average 65-year-old should expect to spend $300,000 on health care. Even if you break that down over 20 years, that may be a lot more than what you're spending today. Okay? These are myths that people make about retirement, and I don't want you to make them. I want you to work with a certified financial planner. I want you to work with someone who gets to know your plan who can tell you, like, yeah, your Social Security might cover some of your health care costs. But what are you going to feed yourself on? What are you going to vacation on? A lot of people think you just stop spending money because you're not going to the office anymore. Has that worked out when you haven't been going to the office during the pandemic? I've still spent money. Find me online at epwealth.com. That's epwealth.com. My website, robblackshow.com, is how you can find me if you want a free portfolio review. Find me at robblackshow.com. The Rob Black Show is brought to you by EP Wealth. Learn more about EP's unique approach to managing wealth at robblackshow.com. I saw the headlines about three hours ago in the morning that inflation soars to 31-year peak. And I was like, I'm not even going to look at the stock market until I get my good friend Patrick O'Hare from Briefing.com on. Briefing.com is a reliable source of, of international and domestic news tied towards the markets and much, much more. Um, I kind of wanted to, to share the feeling with you when it, when you came on. And uh, yeah, markets are lower, but they're not that bad. Mr. O'Hare, what do you think of the um, inflation numbers? Because they've been pretty alarming for the last two days with the producers and the consumer prices. Right. Good morning, Rob. Um, morning. Well, with uh, with respect to uh, the inflation data we've seen, I, I think the, the correlation for us is just how ridiculous it is that the Fed's sitting at the zero bound and uh, isn't likely to or is signaling that it's not likely to come off that zero bound until the latter half of 2022. Um, it's just insane, frankly. Um, and I think that they're running a real risk of, of uh, you know, fueling an inflation overshoot that ultimately uh, forces them to run for cover by being more aggressive than the market would like uh, with a policy tightening move down the road. Let me play conspiracy theorist for you right now. Yesterday, I think I saw in some AP Newswire stories that the Biden administration is looking to replace Jerome Powell in February. Could it be that they want to go for someone who wants to calm the markets down by raising interest rates sooner rather than later versus waiting late till 2020? Could there be some political machinations moving that is going to try to solve the problem without Jerome Powell basically saying 2023 or whatever he is saying right now? Yeah. Well, our our understanding, actually, is that Fed Governor Brainerd is, is uh, billed as someone who's even more dovish than Fed Chair Powell. Okay. Um, so... Uh, so, you know, if you get into a position like that, <laughs> um, you know, I guess I guess the, the takeaway really is whether it's Fed Governor Brainerd or Fed Chair Powell, 
the leadership of the Fed is is not signaling, uh, you know, that the, they're going to have to raise interest rates anytime soon. Um, you know, at the last press conference, Fed Chair Powell said that, you know, that wasn't even part of the discussion. Uh, all that was discussed was where the economy is and how it relates to a decision on tapering, which just strikes us really as kind of ludicrous um, and frankly, irresponsible that they're not having that conversation yet uh, because, you know, we went to the zero bound in March 2020 uh, for obvious reasons. Uh, and we're a long way away from where we were in March 2020. Uh, not only is nominal GDP higher than it was before the pandemic hit, um, you know, you have an, un- an unemployment rate that's below 5%. Uh, you have inflation, as we talked about at the top here, at a 30-year high, uh, and yet you have a policy rate at zero. Um, it, 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 frankly, it, it, it worries us that, you know, while the stock market's, you know, riding the gravy train right now, and, and understandably so, right? It, it's taking what the Fed is giving it, and it's and it's running with it. But when you get to a point where that dynamic changes. And if the Fed's in a position of having to be very aggressive with policy tightening efforts, um, you see some really nasty corrections unfold in the stock market. And that, that's what worries us. The timing, I don't know, um, but it, the risk is clear here uh, in our estimation uh, as we continue to see multiples expand uh, and companies uh, that aren't making any money get rewarded with $100 billion market capitalizations. Uh, and so on and so forth. Yes, it's definitely very interesting. Um, if I were to boil down the inflation, you know, to me personally, and I see 6.2% increase in consumer prices, I definitely feel that. I feel it at restaurants. I feel it in gasoline. I feel it in what I'm seeing in rents and home prices. Um, at the same time, most of my wealth is in the stock market. Some of it's in the housing market, and both of them are inflating at faster costs than the CPI. So mm-hmm. I feel like, eh. I'm going to have to give some of this back later, but I, I feel good about it, but I feel bad about my brother who doesn't have a lot of wealth in the uh, markets or 401k. Um, is my logic kind of like playing out correctly here? Like the wealthy are going to kind of scoot past this and the average man who gets the average paycheck of 55000 not keeping up with cost of living? That. I think you hit the nail on the head, Rob. You know, okay. there's a sense that if, if you're, you know, if you're invested in the market, um, you, you know, you, you realize you're, you're sitting on um, some house money and a good bit of it, if you will, so that you, you know, having gotten in at a lower cost basis, you can kind of maybe afford, so to speak, to ride things down. But, you know, the fact of the matter is there's so many people who are not investing in the stock market. And, and really what the Fed policy is doing also is, um, you know, there's been this uh, line that they're trying to help reduce income inequality, but in fact they're 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 exacerbating it, right? Because because uh, the penalty to savers here is extreme right now, and and I'm talking about savers who don't have the means to be invested in the stock market. Um, it, it's the the the, the hardworking individuals who um, you know are just getting by uh, might have a little money that they put in a savings account, but when you factor in inflation, their return is negative. Right. So they're not beating inflation. And to hold rates down here at the zero bound for as long as they've been in the face of what is really an actually pretty good economy, 
um, it just doesn't it just doesn't make sense, and it's a disservice to to people who don't have the advantage to be invested in the stock market or uh, have have the advantage of seeing home equity uh, increase along with these these prices. Is there anything else we need to talk about today? <laughs> because the inflation numbers have come in as bad as we expected. They're dramatic headlines. I, sure. I guess first-time unemployment claims were pretty good. So we have jobs. Well, well look at, you know, we're talking about inflation at a 30-year high. Yep. And you have a 10-year note yield that's at 1.5%. Uh, granted, it's up today, but we're down from 1.7%, you know, uh, not that long ago. Um right. You're seeing a two-year note yield go up to 0.51%. So, so what you're seeing in the treasury market is really is a little bit of what I think what I'm alluding to is that there's a growing fear that, um, you know, the Fed's going to have to be more aggressive with a tightening move, and, and so you're getting this curve flattening action. But having said all that, now let's look at the stock market. The stock market is basically, let's call it flat at the moment, right? It's not reacting at all uh, to in a negative way, in, a very, in any concerted way probably because there's uh, a realization that, you know, where are you going to go to beat this inflation, right? So you still have a market that's flush with liquidity and, and the, the pursuit of, you know, high, a positive real return. You can't get that in the treasury market. So there's still a willingness to uh, stay invested, if you will, or to, or to stay in the stock market. Uh, because you have the persistence of low interest rates here, and you have to find a way to beat inflation. And right now, there's not a, a, a you know, there's no pathway or there's no sight line to another uh, asset, really, other than maybe people obviously would argue cryptocurrency, Bitcoin, stuff like that would be your inflation hedge. But um, but in any case, you know, the stock market continues to hold up here uh, remarkably. <clears throat> Asking a slightly personal question mixed with a slight investment question. There's some stories out there recently in financial media that my generation, your generation, within reason, I think we're pretty close to age, um, made a lot of money on speculated and dot-com stocks. And our parents hated us because they're like, dot-com stocks don't have any value. And now we're telling our kids cryptocurrencies could go to zero. Um, I still see crypto as it's kind of in the early stages for the big winners over time, but yeah, it'll have some losers. Um, are you running into any of that with the younger generation in your own household where they're starting to ask you about crypto? Maybe I could be stretching it cause you could have normal kids. I don't. <laughs> right. No, we really haven't had that conversation too much. And, and, and I would say that, you know, when you talk about uh, our generation having made a lot of money in the dot coms, you know, I don't, I'm not saying you, I'm saying the reporting, that's a, that's a quite a big generalization, right? Because what that also assumes is that our generation had the foresight to actually sell, you know, okay. before everything collapsed, right? And I think there's plenty of, of, you know, people that you could interview today who are our generation who, who didn't get out in time. And, and I think that that's, that's the risk we're running here, right? Everything seems great right now, right? You can't lose being in crypto or the stock market. It's just things just keep going higher and higher. And this is a time where, you know, you got to be reminded that, you know, pigs get fat and hogs get slaughtered, right? This is the time to where, you know, you, you, you can uh, uh, take some money off the table, if you will, look for rebalancing opportunities, but not to get greedy here because uh, I think the, 
there's a real risk in 2022, uh, I think, as it relates to shifting interest rate dynamics and specifically a shift in Fed policy that could kind of upset this uh, this halcyon view of things that we've got going right now. We've got about a minute left. Any last thoughts? Any good tippings for us? Well, I think I, I might have just communicated the last good tips <laughs> in okay. terms of, you know, how to how to look at things right now. Um, I can tell you, you know, last week I was out and I didn't have uh, anything that I was working on for the big picture column. I'll be posting one this Friday um, and it, it will likely fall along the lines of what we talked about today in terms of what's going on with inflation and just how ridiculous it is that the Fed's sitting at the zero bound uh, and the risk that they're running uh, for a lot of investors and a lot of savers by keeping it uh, by policy rate at the zero bound. And for the record, I agree with you on a lot of people lost money in the 90s. And I kind of forget that at times because it was very, very good to me and the people around me and the investment advisory firm that I had back then. But totally good to be sobered and, and slap back on, so to speak. Um, thanks so much. It's Patrick O'Hare with briefing.com. You can find him at briefing.com, a reliable source of domestic and international news. I'm Rob Black. Find us at robblackshow.com. Robblackshow.com. So markets are a little bit lower, but they're not plummeting. I sometimes will say sideways is not down, which is a positive, but it's also not up. But we are trending lower now that we're um, a little bit further into the news about inflation and markets reacting to it. We have a phone call, longtime listener, I believe, Lawrence on the peninsula. How are you, Lawrence? Hey, morning, Robert. Yeah, thanks for uh, recognizing me. Uh, happy belated birthday, new year, and all that good stuff. Uh, yeah, just trying to, uh, just wanted a second opinion on uh, SPG. I uh, got a uh, small, uh, well, got about 20 positions in a, a dividend portfolio with uh, Fidelity. Just, just one up that's got more room to run. Question for you. Why do you have um, a dividend portfolio? Because you're on the younger side. I believe you're in the 35 to 45 range. Correct. Um, uh, why are you going to dividends at this point in time? Uh, just, just, just taking the uh, reinvest, just reinvesting the dividends and just looking for some passive income in my, my, you know, long term. Okay. I'm not quite, I'm not like knocking you. I'm just curious. Um, I waited till my 50s to really start thinking income portfolio to replace income from work. And you're probably just thinking dividend reinvestment, keep buying more shares. So um, I get what you're put, putting down, so to speak. Um, yeah, let's talk Simon Properties. And what's your question? Do you, is the question on, would you buy it now or how's it holding yeah, up? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's running at, I mean, it's up 100 plus percent. I, I, you know, is it, did, I, did I catch it on the downside? Or, I mean, I'll hold it for, you know, long term, but yeah. It's... Let me say something real quick also before I go into the answer for you. I think you're one of the most inspirational callers because I've known you for a while and you literally started with two cents to rub to your name. We're to rub together and you've got a, a decent chunk right, as well. And you've not, you've kind of been along for my, the ride with me and I've kind of been along for the ride with you and I really, hats off to you. Um, I like Simon Property in the short term. I like it in the midterm. I like it in the long term. It is a good name. Um, it is a blue chip quality name. Now, then you get into these issues of in the, in the super short term, how do you feel about it? And that's questionable because they are a real estate investment trust, which means they invest in 
buildings. Um, they could be malls. They could be office properties. They could be a lot of things. In Simon Properties' angle with investing in REITs, it's a real estate investment trust engaged in the ownership of shopping, dining, entertainment, mixed-use destinations. Um, they've got great management. So they're going to be able to figure out how do we turn a mall into condos? How do we turn condos into malls? How do we turn hospitals into um, medical offices? How do we turn medical offices into hospitals? They've been around the block a little bit. Got a 3.9% dividend yield. P.E. ratio is very, very high. Um, so that's a negative in the short term. But again, in the long term, there's nothing that I don't like about the company. Um, taking a look at some of their recent earnings guidance. Um, earnings came out November 2nd. They reported and beat uh, by 60 cents. That's a huge beat above expectations. This is probably the time where a lot of companies are going bankrupt and saying, we can't pay our rent to you anymore. So they're basically a landlord. Um, I think it's a buy. I think it easily can get a $150 price target. The company is exiting the pandemic with a stronger competitive position as a result to the acquisition of Tommen. Um, and it's growing omni-channel strategy. It's results have been impressive as it raised its guidance and also boosted its dividend further noting that it's increasing its 2021 forecast and 2022 forecast um, the problem you have is it's a good name and people like you know it's a good name <clears throat> so the good news about that is it, it's got good management <clears throat> if you look at the 8ks on it um in their financial disclosures, there's there's no boogeyman's coming. Um, this is a name that I would consider as a blue chip long-term core portfolio holding. So I think you're thinking the right way. If I were to take a look real quick, and again, this is super fast. This is super fast. So this is not investment advice. Consult a broker where I was trying to use extension. Um, hold on. I have to, I'm using a MacBook, and the screen's tiny this week because my PC had a corrupted BIOS. So I'm... If you want to get a computer, it's going to take you about a week to five weeks right now. That's a loser if you want to get a good one. Um, price to books going in the right direction. Price to sales is going in eh, – they've had some mixedness there, but going in the right direction on a, a longer three-year basis. Uh, peg ratio is fine. Trailing PE is high. Again, any times you're paying 20 times or above for the market – it's going to be high. So next year, if the market pulls back, it's going to pull back. But over the next 5, 10, 15 years, I think it's a nice name. And Lawrence, I, I gave you all the credit in the world. And again, thank you for being a long-term listener. And I've seen your financial profile grow. And you went from sending me 20 questions on stocks to give me one great one. And I love that kind of evolution and maturity uh, through time. So uh, hats off to Lawrence. So real quick, and if anyone wants to call, it's 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220. That's probably my greatest accomplishment in my mind is I know probably 10 people. that I've gotten to know 10 people intimately who have changed their financial profile from not thinking about saving to actually saving a big chunk of change. Um, there's you know a dancer that I know. There's uh, an artist who uh, sells clay pots that I know. Um, and as he's gotten older, he's gotten arthritis and his story is, it stinks. You get arthritis, you make pots for a living and you sell them in Berkeley for a living and you lose that ability to fold up your benches and you're uh, carrying in your pots from your car to, uh, 
the stager. But I know, you know, Gabrielle, who bought a, a condo after fretting over how high it was, how high it was, how high it was, how high it was. And I was just like, just pay for it and just get a monthly payment and then sell it in a couple of years and buy the single family home. And she did it. And she's got a nice retirement. Super, super, super stoked. Irreverent, over the top, and smart as a whip. This is The Rob Black Show.